Hey y'all, this is Jasmine Castile and I am going to start a brand new podcast called Hands Off My Podcast. This true crime podcast is for the lost voices of family or friends. They have the story of their loved ones that are or were unalived, missing, human trafficked, or exploited because of being a person of color and would love to share your story. Please contact me at handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com. Let's make your voice no longer the voiceless. If you fall in my community of LGBTQ2 spirits, Asian American Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color, then you're my people. Or if you like to follow and share on any of your listening podcast apps. Dios te bendiga. Today's guest is Travis Johnson. He is the organizer of Nonprofit Architect Podcast that provides podcast production services ranging from professional, nonprofit, and veteran podcast. Travis' story brings perspective and hope from 36 moves, 12 schools, 6 states, 5 foster homes, and survived 2 murder attempts and currently active duty officer of the United States Navy. I want to give a shout out to support all our troops. Please give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Travis Johnson. Hello, hello. <laughs> is it Friday? I have no idea. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it stops for me at any time because I work on the weekends too. So, If you don't want to spend all the time doing it because you've got kiddos and three jobs like <laughs> take some of that off your plate if you're interested in learning more about that no pressure oh Stop, yeah uh, no we could definitely talk about that more for the listeners i've always been a hands-on gal i like to get my hands and my nails dirty I, I, i'm like the mechanic of podcasting and amongst everything else so i love to learn and i enjoy it it just kind of fell in my lap i am being a voiceover artist so that was just something i just it just came across and i'm like let's do this that voiceover thing is someone, uh, something people have told me I should be getting into because of my voice. Yeah. yeah. You have I, don't a very good what, voice. I don't know. I don't know how to do it, but uh, I do have one of those voices. You do. You have an announcer voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I hosted in the last two weeks, I, whole, I hosted a local Miss Oklahoma pageant and the first veteran podcast awards. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Kudos to you, because, I mean, you do have that good voice, um, but I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll talk more about your company, your organ. And I, I mean, I also looked at your website. I was like, I might want to put in my request to put my little podcast on there because I don't know what category I would fall under. I'm not veteran and I am. I kind of do nonprofit. I mean, it's all gratis. What I do is gratis. So I don't know if I fall under nonprofit. So yeah, I don't do you know. have like a... nonprofit business status or 501c3 tax status? I do not. Then not currently. Yeah. Oh, well, it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> so any I, posted, I, I posted like in one of those collab groups, like, you know, do a nonprofit podcast. And it's like, yeah, me too. Everyone's like, I'm like you. Thanks for being uh, <laughs> jackasses, but that is not at all what I'm talking about. <laughs> there was like 600 comments of of me too about that. Yeah, mine's not making any money either. I'm like, thanks for thanks for telling me why you're not making any money. <laughs> well, I don't. I'm not interested in it. I, my goal is to 
is this, like I said, I want to be the voice to the world. I want to extend my spotlight on my guests because it's all about them. So it's a very selfless act for me. Um, I don't, I don't get much out of it besides getting to know wonderful people that I um, come across in my podcast. So it's just like a, to me, it's a win-win and to y'all, y'all, it's a win-win-win because I get to promote you. I don't know. It's just, I, I enjoy it. So thank you again so much for being a guest on my podcast. Like you said, um, on your guest forum, you have a lot to unpackage in regards to your life. But I wanted to know a little bit more behind that before we get started into that to have the listeners know a little bit more about you. Um, tell me about where you grew up and what was important to you back then before everything else kind of hit the the caca hit the fan in, in a sense for you. Uh, well, the caca hitting the fan is the beginning of the story. Uh-huh. Okay. Tell me more <laughs> of that, more of that caca. <laughs> yes. Uh, 36 moves, 12 schools, six states, five foster homes, and surviving two murder attempts before wow. graduating high school at 17. Wow. The reason I moved around so much and people are like, oh, were you military? I was like, you think the military moves an entire family twice a year, every year? And they're like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, do some math with me here. 36 times before graduating high school. Wow. And they're like, oh, that's insane. And they're like, yeah, it is. And so is my mom, which is why we moved so much, because every time she needed treatment for bipolar disorder, we would end up living with a different family member or going into a foster care system or whatever needed to happen. And we were right across the border in Minnesota for most of this. I completely understand the whole fostering system from that aspect. But to have, you know, just to have the thought of that and then to hear your story about you going through the same same type of motions with the but in a different story and a different journey, you know, dealing with your mother um, with the bipolar and then constantly moving from family member to family member that within itself, it's emotionally damaging for a child, especially when you you think the moon and stars of your parents, you know, you always wanted to think highly of them because they are your parents. So um, what was going through your mind with all this happening for you? Uh, really kind of depends on when, because before the fourth grade, I didn't understand that I was different than anyone else. It was just the only thing I'd ever known. It wasn't until about fourth grade where someone kind of pointed out, be like, Hey man, that's weird. Like, no one else is moving around like this. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's, everyone does this. And everyone's like, no, no, no one else is doing this. I don't know what you're talking about. And I kind of realized, you know, what was happening. Because mm. by this point, I'd already been in like uh, nine different schools at this point in fourth mm -hmm. grade. And it's, it's wow. hard to fathom. Uh, some people like change schools once and it like ruins their entire life. Um. And I'm not saying that it can't. I'm just saying it happens. And, you know, really got angry about because you have no control over this stuff. You're not sure what to do. And I really started lying and cheating and stealing and all the stupid stuff that kids that don't know how to express themselves. They don't have the capacity to do what they need to do to get healing help or, you know, even express what the heck is going on internally, which I'm sure you can understand. And. Uh, right when I started, you know, behaving like a jerk, 
uh, we didn't move for like three years. And now I was stuck, you know, with all my poor choices that I had just made um, in the same place, which was even more frustrating because I finally, you know, have the license to act out because my life has been so terrible. And then it stops being terrible. Uh, <laughs> but now I'm a jerk. And then we did it again in, in seventh grade. We're in three different school systems in seventh grade. And just so much going on. The the two people that tried to take my life were my mother and my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after my mom tried to kill me when I was 15, I turned 16 and, and finally grabbed up my stuff. And I said, look, I'm, I'm moving in with grandma. And if you love me, there's nothing you're going to say about it. You're just going to let it happen. And she never said anything about it. I got to move in with my grandma and finish out of high school. Uh, I took a year off and then joined the Navy and married my wife and have sort of my own family. But, you know, in those early years, everything was just so tumultuous, so much going on all the time. You never know where your next meal was coming from. You never sure you didn't have a routine. You didn't have people that you could trust around you. And it's not like today where you can just hop on Facebook, Instagram or whatever and send someone a message. If you didn't have their you know, phone number written down in a hold on, hold on to this, you young kids, an address book. <laughs> a Rolodex. Like, a Rolodex. If you didn't have that information <laughs> written down somewhere, you didn't have it. Right, right. You memorized it or it was written down or that was it. So if you go somewhere and you make friends which I am really great at making fast friends. I don't know how long, how many long-term relationships I have. I was always meeting new people. And uh, it's one of my favorite things about my life now. It wasn't back then because you just wanted some kind of stability, someone to relate to, mm-hmm. someone to talk to and, you know, work out life with. And, you know, I just didn't have that. Yeah. I'm on the same wavelength in understanding exactly how that feels. It is tumultuous. So how did you get through that? I mean, once once everything was unraveled and you were trying to repackage everything back into what you thought was considered a, a reasonable, rational type of um, lifestyle after all that, um, what was your point in life that you said, you know what, there was a light switch that went on and you were like, yeah, this is it. In regards to your life or your career, where was that pivoting moment for you? There's, there's been a few for sure in different areas of life, but really when I, when I made the decision to move out of my mother's house and go live with grandma, I was like, you know, it's not my fault, all the stuff that happened to me. And a lot of people come to that realization, but it's my responsibility to do what it is that I think that I can do to you know, get healing from my trauma and to make good decisions moving forward. My life is what I'm going to design, what I build. And I can point fingers forever at everyone else that made my life terrible. And, you know, there's a lot of people that do that in the U.S. right now. And people are like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But it doesn't help you at all. It doesn't help you move forward. It doesn't help you build the life that you want. It doesn't do anything other than really, it's really just whining and complaining. You know, she took my toy. Wah, 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 wah. Now I'm saying that and someone that's in trauma right now, that wasn't for you. That wasn't for you. That's for people that have been past the trauma, but you have to seek out your own healing. You have to work your way through these things and eventually find a path for you. And everyone's path is a little bit different to where you can 
build your own life and move forward. And there's so many people that are stuck in their trauma. I've been in the Navy for 21 years and there is injuries that are unseen and unfelt uh, on the battlefield, whether that's, you know, home abroad in a domestic violence situation or what have you that we can end up holding on to for years and years and years and years until someone points it out to you, like they did to me in fourth grade and said, Hey, you're weird. Like this isn't how life is supposed to be, you know, until someone points out to you like, Hey, you're not behaving like anywhere near like what's reasonable or okay. And, you know, you got in a little bit of trouble yourself when you were younger and until you recognize that and you make the decision to go down the path of healing and to create a new life for yourself until that happens, there's nothing anyone can do for you. You have to come to that realization on your own. Right. Right. So with all this, and then actually coming to the realization that this is not normal and you were able to remedy that by going through the motions of self-awareness and self self healing. If I wanted to, like ask you, like who would play you in a movie of your life with all this going on? Who would that be? Who would be the best actor? Who would I don't know that? for sure if it's the best actor, but my wife is in love with Scott Eastwood. So it would have to be Scott Eastwood. If mm-hmm. you're listening to this right now and you don't know who Scott Eastwood is, it's Clint, Clint Eastwood's, Eastwood's son. son. Yeah, see, so you know. You yes, know. I do. But, but, but hit pause, go look up who Scott Eastwood is. And then you'd be like, oh. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. God, what, Jasmine knows. <laughs> what is it? That's like Jasmine knows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm old yeah. enough to, I'm old as rocks. But yeah, I definitely, oh, Clint Eastwood is my all time favorite. My, my abuelo, he used to watch a lot of um, spaghetti westerns. Yes. And uh, that was the only thing he would watch. I wouldn't watch novellas. Novellas would come on. When Abuela and I would not be in the same room with her. <laughs> she was grouchy, bitter old woman. But with Abuelo, he would watch the spaghetti string westerns. And I fell in love with, you know, Gunsmoke and Tall Man and um, even like the mystery stuff. So Clint was like my all time favorite. So when I saw his son, it was like, I feel like I went back in history. <laughs> Because he looks exactly like his father. It's amazing. But yeah, he's a really good actor. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Definitely so, this guy. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like when I introduce myself, almost everyone I meet says either I look really familiar or you don't look like a Travis. So then I ask them like, well, who do I look like? And Scott has been one of the names that have popped up. Like you look more like a like a Scott. Like if I had to pick a name for you, it'd be Scott. So definitely got to go with my guy. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I approve. So that's, <laughs> that's for sure. You got your, your lady fans like, who is Scott Eastwood? Oh, dang. I'm not even. Oh, dang. Yeah. yeah. I should yeah. be listening. I should be listening to this podcast more. It's just like more insight on like some of the, that's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So you have a nonprofit architect organization. Is, is this when you started? This organization around that time where you started having a pivoting moment. It, it's it's been quite the journey. Don't yeah. It at all. <laughs> it's just usually, it's just usually a when I talk about you know the two people that try to kill me, my mom and my sister. People are just completely floored, and they yeah. have no idea what to say. And there's nothing you can say other than that sucks and that's awful. I'm glad you're still here. Uh, anything else is just 
I don't know, trying to make them feel better, I guess. I don't know. I couldn't tell you, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I joined the military and I follow the Jesus and I married my wife and I had to get all three of those things really to, you know, they didn't care where I came from as long as I am who I am and I follow that I'm going to be who I need to be. And that allowed me, it was, it was a long journey, but it, you know, it wasn't until like my mid twenties where I realized I was doing good stuff. I really wasn't necessarily in scarcity or survival mode. And then I, I started following the right group of people uh, in the Navy at work, you know, be around the people that you want to be like. So those were guys that were doing well in their career. They were strong in their faith. They had great families that were, you know, trying to get themselves, you know, promoted and really, you know, fight for that career and education. And as soon as I made that switch, you know, my life took a completely different trajectory. I ended up, you know, going to college, got accepted to do a program, went from the enlisted side to becoming a commissioned officer in the Navy. They sent me through flight school. I know you can't see all my fun background stuff I have. Mm-hmm. But I've got you know my wings and the airplane that I fly and all that stuff in the background here. And then it wasn't until after that happened that I realized, you know, I wasn't running anymore. I was thriving. I was doing well. I was successful by some measure, I'm sure. And I was like, well, how do I, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, how do I be part of the community? I had no idea. And it led to some conversations at church with some different people. And like, well, people in the community... You know, they clean up neighborhoods and they serve on boards and they vote and they interact and they donate money and they do all these things. And I was like, oh, I want to do those things and got connected with with some great people doing some good work and realized that, you know, I can now start giving back because, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up, you had social services and you've got churches and individuals and different nonprofits that really kept kept us sheltered, clothed and fed. And without them. Right. I didn't have a chance to be anyone other than broken. And there was a few that stuck in for the long haul, but largely dealing with someone that has bipolar disorder with, you know, psychotic features, in which case I like, like kind of like being on the autism spectrum. There's a mental health spectrum for this. Mm -hmm. So she had features of schizophrenia. She had hallucinations and being around someone that has bipolar is one thing. And also them having hallucinations, like it is, really difficult to be friends with that person or around their family. It just is. It's a lot to take in and whether you're inside or outside the situation. So there really wasn't a whole lot of stability and any measure, except for a, a handful of people that were kind of there throughout uh, Dennis Jensen and Dale Chaden and uh, a few other individuals that really, you know, stuck with us and stuck by our family. Uh, good friends, Ryan Cornemone and John Adam, Craig Sweary. But like, if it wasn't for those people, if it wasn't for those organizations, you know, Big Brother, Big Sister, oh, community youth services, you know, organizations I haven't talked to for even like the Guardian Med Litem, like I wouldn't have had a fighting chance. Right, right. It would have been so easy to fall into the wrong crowd or be stuck in, you know, kind of the, the crazy cycle, the depression cycle, any of those things. And I really only made a, a couple of really, really good decisions growing up. Like I never tried any substances. I didn't. I didn't try uh, weed or alcohol or any of the other cocktail of available things, uh, you know, growing, growing up in trailer parks and foster homes. I stayed away from that stuff. I don't know how I managed to, but I did. I was just like, I'm not interested. No, thank you. Uh, like if someone handed me a cigarette, I broke it in front of them and I stomped on it. And they're like, what the heck? And I was like, don't offer me cigarettes ever again. They're like we can still be friends. I'm just not going to do it. 
And that kind of became a thing. Like my friends are like, don't offer it to him. He'll just break it. And they're like, no, you know, like I'm holding on to this. So like that didn't become a problem, but you know, so easy, it's so easy to get caught up in, in what's going on inside us and, and the feelings we don't know how to handle and the thoughts and mm-hmm. feelings of worthlessness and everything else. It's really easy to get caught up in a lot of other problems, whether it's, violence, sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever the thing is, right? Self-medicating with crappy food, which I've been known to do a time or two, but that's much more socially acceptable than the other alternatives. But, you know, got involved with some nonprofits and started getting a chance to give back. And I served on a couple of nonprofit boards for the Shine Foundation and Books by Vets, helped raise a half a million bucks in just a couple of years, got published, got published again, really was going well. I had my second instructor tour. And I got stationed in the Middle East. I was in the kingdom of Bahrain and I got out there. And I was like, I knew I needed to have something that would help me grow, kind of keep me out of trouble, be productive. And, and I hope to have something to do with the nonprofit work. And someone's like, well, you kind of have the voice for podcasting. And I was like, oh, do I? Do I have that voice? <laughs> do you and they're like, you know, you really, you really kind of do. And I, I mean, sure. Okay. And I started looking around, I was listening to some nonprofit podcasts, and I kind of found like a little seam, like there wasn't a lot of people focusing on how to do this stuff, right? There was a lot of great conversations, talking a lot about great organizations and some leadership challenges, but really like there was no one giving you the nuts and bolts. So I set out to have conversations with experts in their field, and I knew quite a bit about nonprofit work, but I'm always under the assumption that I don't know everything. It's like, so who can I contact? Who can I talk to? And what can I learn? And really, it's kind of a journey of you know, my personal learning and self-discovery and wanting to share that with other people and then also provide great value. So we ended up interviewing nonprofit leaders, business leaders, consultants, you know, people with the special skills to really help nonprofits do it better, help grow stronger nonprofits, all with the effect of helping the helpers, because this is a chance for me to give back to the people that can go on and help maybe the future Jasmine or the future Travis or the next person to come along that really needs that helping hand to make their life just even a little bit less terrible right. uh, is a great thing to do. That is beautiful. I love that because, I mean, I've gone through that where I have been supported by nonprofit organizations. I've always tried to find a way to give back to that. Um, I was homeless a couple of times in my life. Um and of course, I was in DV shelters from previous relationships. So I've always found ways to give back. I would walk against family violence, like the little walks that they had um, to raise money for families. I have actually slept out. This is called sleep out for the homeless. They had a lot of like different types of events that went on where they would raise money for the homeless. So I commend somebody who has that where they use their their past to give back and i mean it's what is it all paid forward in a sense yeah that's that is such a beautiful thing is there a way that i can um, provide any of those links to any of the nonprofit organizations i mean just to throw it out there if you want me to put those in the show notes um, yeah absolutely nonprofitarchitect.org is kind of my hub of everything that i do if you're familiar with linktree slash nonprofit architect and find all my links. You can find all my shows, links to social media, connect with me on my actual website. I've got the nonprofit podcast network. We've got 12 shows dedicated to helping nonprofits do it better. 
And I'm also an active duty Naval officer and I've got the veteran podcast network. We've got 40 shows hosted by veterans covering business trauma. Uh, we even have a comedy show on there. A uh, lot of good stuff, a lot of good content. And then you can also check out like all my guest appearances. So like when this interview here goes live, you know, me and Jasmine kicking it, that's also going to be on the guest appearances page. You can see all the other interviews that I've done. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just one of the many services that I provide. <laughs> we also, we also do professional podcast production. So, you know, someone like you that has a great show and you're doing all the work on the back end, but you're running out of time, mm-hmm. you know, we'll help offload all of that back end stuff for you. So you can just have the great conversations. Everything gets edited, cleaned up, show notes, uh, gets you a little audiogram to help, you know, promote your stuff on social media. And then we just publish it for you, you know, with your approval. And then it just takes all the back end work out of the deal. And then we've got, <laughs> I'm just talking about me here, but, you know, we've got, <laughs> you know, 15 reasons. I think everyone needs a podcast. We've got the ultimate podcast guide, which this thing is far more comprehensive than anything else out there. There's a lot of free guides that say, you know, do this, find your message. Here's how you start. Here's the equipment, but they don't really give you any of the other stuff, like how to market and monetize and build relationships with people online, how to actually find great guests, how to be a great guest, how to monetize your guest appearances. That's all included along with all the editable templates that you need in the ultimate podcast guide. And I'm really excited. We're Forbes business school. So if you take the podcast course, you actually get college credit. Uh, two years ourselves. We've got over 100 episodes published. We've been ranked number four in the US, six in Canada, and top five in three other countries. And it's just been wild. Podcast Magazine did a feature on us last year. Uh, in the top 25 veteran hosted shows in the US, I came in at number 11 on the same list with John Lee Dumas and Jocko Willink. So, wow. Must be doing something well. Yeah, you're doing something <laughs> extremely well. That's for sure. That's for sure. Thank I, you so much. I did. I did want to mention something to you. Yes. I'm getting ready to send out an email to all the people that got like my 15 reasons everyone should be a podcaster, 47 or $57 because it's going to include a phone call with me. But if that's something you're interested in and you need help getting some stuff going, I encourage you to look into that. If that's not something you're interested in, don't worry, we can still be friends. But it sounds like you're still trying to figure stuff out. And I've had three friends launch their shows on my stuff. We had one guy had his first three months and all of his equipment covered with a sponsor before he even started his show. I had another friend that had a podcast uh, two years before I was on it as a guest. I hadn't started my podcast yet. And then shortly thereafter, I eclipsed him in downloads. And he's like, how are you doing this? And since then, he already had a following. He rebranded and relaunched. Now he's eclipsed me in podcast downloads because he implemented the things that we talked about. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can do this if you're interested, but if that's something you want to look into, it's super helpful. That is sweet. Wow. I am yeah. definitely, yeah. I'm glad you're able to share that with the listeners because that's something sky's the limit once that, you know, once that hits, cause I mean, there's a lot of people who are getting into it, but to have you here and tell us that there is so much more and there's the opportunity of having credits applied to that. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So what type of, (laughs) sorry, I'm just like super excited about this. So (laughs) like, tell me more information, but what type of work makes up the happiest part of your day? I mean, you have so much, so much to give. So what is considered one of the happiest parts of your day? I really, really love kind of peeling back 
the scales people have over their eyes. We have such this, such a narrow view of life. And, you know, if you look at my, my stat sheet from when I was a kid, most people would have no problem. Oh, foster care. You know, a couple of people tried to murder him. Like they would have no problem with me doing nothing in society. They'd be like, yeah, it's understandable. All right. But here's the deal. There's so much more to life. You know, I, I got the military to pay for my bachelor's degree and for my master's degree. You know, I got uh, to travel to 12 different countries in all 50 states. I've been uh, a guest on, I don't know how many endless number of podcasts. I've got to host a local Miss Oklahoma pageant. I've got to host the first annual veteran podcast awards. I've been speaking at conferences and like, I just kind of feel like I'm a regular dude. Like I just want to show up, have a great attitude and provide value where I can. And just that little bit just goes so far in everything that you want to do. If you know your why, if you know your motivation, like I wanted to help the helpers. And knowing that, I didn't know the how I was going to do it, but helping the helpers has allowed me to do everything else that I've wanted to do. Because I know Zig Ziglar always says, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll end up getting everything that you want. And I'm not doing this to get for me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it because it's wonderful. And it's a great time. I love meeting new people. I love hearing a story. And I mean, the two best things about being a podcast host is you get to meet great people that are excited to talk to you. And then you get like your own private masterclass with all these people and ask them whatever you want to ask them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, value for the audience or whatever, but like my personal learning is like skyrocketed like Tuesday, the, the 19th of October, uh, Bob Berg's a guest on my show and he wrote the go-giver series and he's mm-hmm. sold millions and millions of his books and he's a speaker and his courses and all this craziness. And, like he was a guest on my show. So I got to ask him all the things I wanted to know about what, you know, he's doing and how that impacts the world around him. It's just, you know, just crazy for me. I'm just like a guy from the trailer park. And here I am, <laughs> you know, talking to all these people, talking to you, Jasmine. I had uh, Steve Sims on. He's the author of Blue Fishing. I think it's like the art of getting things done. Okay. But he does world-class events for millionaires and billionaires. And he does the red carpet event for Sir Elton John every year. And I had him on my show talking about events and how for-profit people do it and how nonprofit people do it differently and what they can do to do it better and have a really world-class event. But he was on my show and I'm just like, this is just outrageous. Like how does this mind blowing? Yeah. Absolutely nuts. You know, um, it's just amazing. And I'm sure you get to talk to all sorts of amazing people. Well, I'm talking to you amongst everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, can you tell the listeners exactly where they can listen to you as well? Like all the podcasts and what's your website and uh, any additional information if they can reach out to you? You search nonprofit architect podcast, you will find me. I'm the first four and a half pages of Google. I'm on 50 podcast channels, IMBD, YouTube, Amazon, Apple, geo seven all these from like india and all these different channels like if there is a podcast app i'm on it iHeartRadio, pandora just the list is endless in closing did you have any additional information you'd like the listeners to know about that i might have missed here here's the deal if you're out there and you're suffering get help it's up to you to get help it's not your fault what happened maybe it's a little bit your fault or it's not your fault but it's up to you to seek out the healing that you need So you can move on with your life and build the life that you want to live. That's right, folks. You can actually design your life. 
no one's going to do it for you. You're either busy building your dream or you're busy building someone else's dream. True, true words. That's deep. Thank you so much for that. It's been an honor to even know that I'm now kind of officially like in the seven, this is the seven degrees of uh, separation with everything. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Jasmine. It's nice yes. meeting you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Blue Zion podcast. If you yourself is a small business owner, entrepreneur, musician, or artist, or liked what you heard, please share and follow. I am on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, or contact me at www.jasminecastillovoice.com and stay tuned for the next upcoming episode.